Hello and welcome to the Auditory Chronicles podcast, a monthly program bringing you short tales for your listening pleasure. I'm your host, John McKenzie. In this episode, we bring you an adaptation of a short story published in 1915. We begin with a man in a sailing competition who has everything going for him. Almost. On the Starboard Tack, adapted from a short story by F. Walworth Brown. Well-bred, well-educated, well-built, and well-provided with the things of this world, Tommy Langham had all the necessary attributes of the prince in the fairy tale, combined with an inherited hard common sense which rendered him practical beyond the possibilities of storybook princes. Tommy's father had left him an income, which precluded all necessity of work, and Tommy's common sense preserved him from the folly of striving for more when what he had was enough. Possessed of a genial philosophy, he took life easily, content to follow the lines of least resistance. Such things as he wanted and his money would buy, he had immediately, and, being far too practical to yearn for full moons, he never had seriously wanted anything his money would not buy until his lines became entangled with those of Miss Daisy Arnold. Tommy did not lack in a sense of his own intrinsic value, though here again his common sense preserved him from undue mental elevation, and when Miss Arnold rejected him for the first time, he retired with a feeling bordering upon astonishment. This was hardly the proper attitude for a man in his position, and goes to show that Daisy Arnold was right in her answer. The process was repeated at short intervals during the following two months, as Tommy struggled to recognize Miss Arnold as a full moon, which she did not want. Then he pocketed his pride and asked her again, and was again refused. Tommy was reduced to amazement at his own splendid audacity in thinking that she might even for a moment consider him a matrimonial possibility. Oh, Tommy, Daisy Arnold said finally, it's got to be the same answer. I like you so much, I wish you wouldn't. I'm sorry, said Tommy meekly. I don't seem to be able to help it. Then Daisy said, The trouble is, you're so good-natured and, and easy-going, but a girl does like to see a man show some spunk. Now let's change the subject, she continued. You'll be in the race tomorrow, won't you? Oh, I suppose so, said Tommy. Mr. Ackers seems very sure he will win, Daisy announced, and Tommy replied generously, He's got a good boat. Daisy talked on more or less at random, filling in time, while Tommy answered in monosyllables the questions which he only half heard. Later, Tommy walked slowly down to the clubhouse, hunted up Dickie Carmen, and unburdened his soul to his chum. Hmm, said Dickie. You know what's the trouble, don't you? Sidney Ackers is hanging around here day and night. That cad, said Tommy. Just so, my son, that cad, Tommy's friend agreed. He's a fellow that does things. It's up to you to beat him at his own game. Then Dickie said, Do you know what I heard him say yesterday? Said he'd rather foul another boat any day than lose a race fair. That's sportsmanlike, isn't it? Well, that doesn't help me any, said Tommy disconsolately, thinking still along the lines of least resistance. There were five boats entered in the race for the Commodore's Cup the following day. Tommy's Comet, Ackers's Alpha, the Norma, the Hellfire, and a boat from down the bay called the Spanking Sally. Nothing was known about this last entry, but of the other four, the Comet and the Alpha had proven themselves the better boats during the season, with Ackers's boat Alpha leading by two races one. In the Comet, Tommy held the tiller, Dickie tended sheet, and there were six young fellows besides to sling the 50-pound sandbags up to the weather gunnel when the boat went about, and to hang over the rail as live ballast and hold her down if need arose. Daisy Arnold came down to the pier as the boats were preparing to put off. Tommy stopped operations and went forward. "'Going to have plenty of wind,' she said. That's all we hope, answered Tommy. Daisy added, Mr. Acker still thinks he's going to win. Well, we'll try and give him a race, said Tommy noncommittally, then said finally, goodbye. Goodbye, said Daisy, and good luck, Tommy. Tommy wondered whether Acker's on the Alpha had enjoyed a similar send-off. 
The committee boat chugged away from the pier to take up its station at the starting line. Tommy cast off the comet and shoved her head around till the sail filled. Then he went aft and took the tiller from Dickie. The course was a reach to the outer mark at the far end of the bay with the wind on the port quarter. Then they were to sail around the mark and beat back to the finish line. The wind blew steadily from the northeast and the bay was a dark green field broken by lines of whitecaps over which the big 30-footers with their towering sticks and spotless canvas shot back and forth jockeying for the start. When the preliminary gun came, Tommy had the comet well up to windward of the bunch. Tommy said, Let the sheet run, Dickie, when I give the word. Tommy's eyes were on the little brass cannon on the deck of the committee boat as they were drifting rapidly down upon the line. Let her go, snapped Tommy and swung the boat around. Dickie paid off the sheet as the boom swung out. The great sail filled and, gathering momentum, the boat shot for the line, fair before the wind. At the starting gun, going like a racehorse, the comet shot past the committee boat with scarce an instant to spare, first of the five boats to cross the starting line. And that's all right, said Dickie enthusiastically. Behind them came the Sally, the Alpha, and the Norma close together with the Hellfire trailing. The crew sat in the bottom of the boats and took things easy. The run to the outer mark was practically before the wind and there was nothing for them to do. The wind seemed to be increasing and the Comet easily held the lead from all but the spanking Sally, the Dark Horse. Halfway to the mark, she had drawn abreast and from there on, slowly forged ahead. Looks as if she was too fast for us, said Tommy. We may do her up going back, answered Dickie. We've got the others where we want them anyhow. The Norma, meantime, had fallen back till she and the Hellfire brought up the rear and already were out of the race, barring accidents to the leaders. Ackers' boat, the Alpha, held her place on the Comet's quarter and, knowing her ability for windward work, Tommy was not at all sanguine that their lead was sufficient. They neared the outer mark in this order. The Sally, leading, turned the mark short and, with a curl of white water under her forefoot, went off on the starboard tack with everything humming. It looked as if she might have things her own way when, without warning, her starboard stay parted under the tremendous strain and, to save her mast, her skipper cut the halyards and her chances ended. The great racing sail collapsed like a torn balloon and the leader lay wallowing in the trough, waiting for a launch to tow her in. That was sheer hard luck, but the accident which removed the dark horse from the race left the Comet in the lead once more to fight it out with the Alpha. They were nearing the mark and had no time to speculate on the accident. From now on, it would be hard work for everybody aboard. Ready now with those bags, called Tommy, and the crew scrambled to their feet. As Tommy jammed the tiller over, the Comet spun on her heel. The boom came inboard and hung wavering for an instant while the huge sail flapped and Dickie trimmed in the slack sheet like a wild man. Then she caught the wind once more. The sail filled, and as she heeled to the pressure, the crew piled the sandbags out to windward, and away she went on the port tack, tearing through the whitecaps and hurling spray over the deck and cockpit till everyone was drenched. Pile out now, boys, and hold her down, cried Tommy, and the crew added their live weight to the bags, hanging precariously over the rail in the effort to hold her down. The Alpha crossed their wake a moment later, speeding for the mark. Around she came, and, instead of following the Comet's lead, stood away on the starboard tack. Splitting tacks, said Dickie. Do you know what he's up to? He'd never do that, Tommy, if he wasn't cocksure he can cross ahead of us when we come together. Yes, Tommy said, and we've got to sail this boat for all there is in her, or he will cross us. The Alpha's a devil at windward work. Sailing opposite tacks, the boats gradually drew apart, and which was footing the faster or which pointing the higher, it was impossible to judge. The steady, strong wind favored the Comet, for she was notoriously a heavy-weather boat. Tommy made a long tack, watching the throat of his sail, hugging the wind, stealing every inch he could, for the boat that points the closest to the wind may beat one that outsails her in mere speed. She's doing nobly, said Dickie. Don't see how the Alpha can beat this much. Well, we'll soon find out, said Tommy. Around they came, the crew scrambling over the trunk, swinging the bags from port to starboard and themselves climbing out on top. A moment later, the Alpha came about also, and the boats began to draw together, and as they approached, it became evident that the Comet was still in the lead.
Dickie's elation was beautiful to see, and the whole crew openly gloried in Eckers' discomfiture. But the end was not yet. Each boat held her course, and again they drew apart. The Comet on the starboard tack, the Alpha on the port. Perhaps Tommy grew a little less vigilant. Perhaps Ackers worked a little harder. At any rate, when they came about and drew together, the Alpha had cut into the Comet's lead most woefully. The two leaders were within sight of the clubhouse now. They could see the pier and the clubhouse veranda packed with people watching. It was a glorious struggle. One more tack would take them over the line. Tommy went about and headed for the line. Ackers followed instantly and the boats began to converge. As the Comet and Alpha were right upon one another, suddenly Ackers' plan was clear. He lacked room to pass and he knew it. One hope of winning he still had. It was a slim chance, but he took it. By holding his present course, he could force Tommy to give way to avoid smashing up the Comet in a collision. Tommy, of course, would protest, but the protest might be overruled, and even if it wasn't, Ackers at least would have the honor of crossing the line first before the crowd on the pier. So he calmly held his course straight for the line, and Tommy was face to face with a problem demanding an instant solution. Tommy settled back and gripped the tiller. If that cat thought he could force him off his course when he had the right of way, he'd show him. Tommy hated a row, but there were some things a fellow really couldn't stand, so he fixed his eyes on the approaching line and scowling nosed the comet up into the very eye of the wind, which had the effect of reducing still further Ackers' narrow margin. My right of way, said Tommy coolly, and did not move his tiller the fraction of an inch. An instant after, the comet's forestay caught the Alpha's boom, shoved it inboard, and her bow crashed into her opponent's quarter with the sound of rending wood. Then the comet's forward overhang slid up on the Alpha's deck, smashed through the combing of the cockpit, and, as she lurched with the weight, slipped back, and boring straight ahead, she shaved past her victim's stern, pushing the boom out as she went, and drove on toward the finish. It was all over in a moment, and almost before the people on the pier could grasp what had happened, the Comet, with a badly strained forestay and a splintered nose, had slipped over the line, and the gun from the committee boat announced that the race was won. Tommy let his halyards go by the run to take the strain off the damaged stay, and a launch picked them up and towed them in just as the outraged Ackers in the Alpha, breathing anathema and slaughter, staggered over the line a bad second. On the pier, Miss Daisy Arnold was the first person Tommy saw as he stepped ashore. Tell me about it, Daisy cried excitedly. Well, we had the right of way, you know, Tommy began. Oh, I know, Tommy, she broke in. I watched it all. I was so afraid you wouldn't do it, and if you hadn't, I'd have never forgiven you. Then Daisy Arnold said, Let's go sailing tonight. I have something to tell you, Tommy, just for you alone. Leaving Dickie to care for the comet, Tommy went up to the clubhouse with Daisy. We hope you've enjoyed our presentation of On the Starboard Tack, adapted from the short story by F. Walworth Brown, as read by your host. Be sure to join us next month for another tale of mystery and wonder. In the meantime, feel free to visit our website at auditorychronicles.com for an archive of previous episodes, as well as links to our Twitter feed and Facebook page. For Auditory Chronicles, I'm John McKenzie. Thanks for listening.